Shrink your Christmas bill at Dunn Stores with 20% off wine and champagne. Delicious free-range Irish turkeys for just £39.99. 20% off our unsmoked centre-cut Irish ham. And a selection of vegetable side dishes like seasoned roast potatoes with herb butter and Brussels sprouts with bacon pieces are mix and match any two for €5.50. Plus, with our 10 or 50 grocery voucher, you save even more. Dunn Stores. Make Christmas for everyone. Terms and conditions apply. Voucher can be used on next grocery shop with 50 euro or more. Voucher excludes alcohol. Please drink sensibly. Hello and welcome back to my channel. Today we are going to be talking about the family annihilator Chris Watts, but before we get into that story, I want to talk about something that just broke today, July 2nd, and that is that Ghislaine Maxwell has finally been arrested. If you don't know who Ghislaine Maxwell is, she is an associate of Jeffrey Epstein. I have seen numerous documentaries on Jeffrey Epstein. I even read the book Filthy Rich by James Patterson, which detailed a ton of the stories um, written and spoken by the victims of Jeffrey Epstein. And a lot of those stories include Ghislaine in them. As someone who would bring young ladies to the house for Jeffrey, she facilitated a lot of the crimes that he committed against underage girls. So this has just been a long time coming that Ghislaine is finally facing some charges. Now, if we can only keep her safe long enough so that she doesn't kill herself before she is actually faced with these charges. We'll see. She has a lot of information we know of about a lot of celebrities that were also involved with Jeffrey Epstein and she probably has a lot of damaging information about these high profile people. So we'll see what happens. I'm going to elaborate on those details of Jeffrey Epstein, the story behind all of that and Ghislaine's involvement in my next video. So make sure you hit subscribe so that you don't miss it. And without further ado, we are gonna go ahead and get into this story about Chris Watts, his mistress, Nicole Kessinger, and Chris Watts' wife and two children. This is a, a very difficult story. This is a bizarre twist of a lot of lies and deceit and heartbreak. So get ready, because it's a wild ride. I have my coffee, let's get into it. Shannon, Bella, Celeste, if you're out there, just, just, just come back. Like, if somebody has her, just please bring her back. I need to see everybody. I need to see everybody again. This house is not complete with, without anybody here. Please bring her back. So we start out with Chris and Shanann Watts. They had been married for about eight years, and this story dates back to um, August of 2018. So it's kind of recent. Why are there flies in here? Oh my God! Oh, I got it! Oh, wow, I got it. I'm a ninja. Okay, so anyway, Shanann was known for being very outgoing, charismatic. She had a very wide presence on social media. She documented much of her life through live videos and um, pictures and videos on her Facebook. Got a friend suggestion, friend request from Chris. <laughs> I was in a really, really, really bad place. And I got a friend, friend request from Chris on Facebook. And I was like, oh, what the heck? I'm never gonna meet him, except. But one thing led to another, and eight years later, we have two kids, we live in Colorado, and he's the best thing that has 
ever happened to me. She was a stay-at-home mom, but she ran her own business on the side, and that was through the company called Lavelle, which is like a multi-level marketing company. I believe they're the ones with the Thrive products. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but this was kind of at the same time that It Works and Advocare and all these other companies were becoming a big deal, so she was part of that. Her husband, Chris, worked out in oil fields. He was just kind of a general laborer in oil fields. And then they had two daughters, Bella and Celeste. At the time of Shanann's disappearance, she was 15 weeks pregnant with their first son, Nico. So this story is very complex and broad. However, it is kind of condensed into literally a two month period. And that is mid June to mid August. So we're gonna start in mid-June. Chris meets a woman named Nicole Kessinger at their company called Anadarko Petroleum. It's my understanding that they work on, on a contractual basis. So I don't know how long her contract was when she started working there or when they really met because as you'll see later on, the details are a little fishy because people keep lying. But anyway, <clears throat> that is how they met. They met at work. So they meet, and at this time, things started getting a little rocky in Chris and Shanann's marriage. Now, the sad thing about this is that we'll see in a lot of the text messages between Shanann and her friends, you know, up until this point, their marriage seemed to be just fine. And they were happy, they were expecting their third child that they had discussed and planned for, they were excited about it, and then enter Nicole Kessinger in the middle of June. Um, Shanann is already pregnant and Chris starts acting kind of off and he doesn't admit what's going on to Shanann, but Shanann, we see from text messages that she sends her friends, can tell that there is definitely something off with Chris. He's just not acting the same. He's not affectionate towards her. He's being very distant and cold. Um, and we see that in these text messages. So on June 11th, Shanann surprises Chris in an intimate but recorded moment when she tells him that she is pregnant. There's been a lot of controversy on this video. A lot of people insist that Chris doesn't seem excited or enthusiastic about this pregnancy. However, if you read about Chris or if you look at past interviews, he's been known to be a little bit of an introvert. So it doesn't surprise me at all that if he knows he's on camera, he's a little more guarded or reserved. I don't think that he acted any type of way to receiving this news. That's just my opinion. I think, I thought he did seem excited and I'll show you the clip so you can decide for yourself. <laughs> I like that shirt. Really? So pink means... That's just the test. I know. They just says the pink is going to be girls. I don't know. Just the test. That's awesome. So that's the video. I mean, I, in my opinion, he seemed excited. He seemed um, like any other dad that would react to finding out that his wife is pregnant. I mean, you either, you know, they're either excited and they're a little reserved because, you know, it's just a special moment or they're like bouncing off the walls and crying. Like, I don't know what you expect from this guy, but I didn't think his reaction was bizarre. I didn't think he didn't seem excited. Um, this is early June. It's June 11th. Um, as far as we know, it's before Nicole Kessinger came into the picture. So I don't know. June 14th, Shanann sends Chris this video of Bella singing this adorable song for her dad. I'll let you take a look. He's a hero. He holds the 
know if this ended up on Facebook. I'm assuming that it did, but from the outside looking in, you would assume that this is an adorable little family where the, these daughters are just so loved by their parents and everyone's happy and everything's just great. And then we find out that on that same day, that is when Chris enters Nicole Kessinger's information into his phone under a different name. So it doesn't exactly indicate when they met. We don't know for sure that they met that day. I doubt that they met that day. I'm sure they were talking beforehand. As far as we know, June 14th is when he got her phone number and put it in his phone under a different name. So around this time, it is Father's Day and Chris tells Nicole that he is married, that he has two children. And she remembers this and says this in her interview because Father's Day was coming up and he was really excited about his daughters. So this did come up in conversation. She later admits that yes, she knew he was married and still continued to have a relationship with him. Meanwhile, Shanann is writing and posting these tributes to him on Facebook and Instagram about how loving and doting he is as a father and husband. And then at the end of June, June 27th, Shanann takes the girls to North Carolina on a five week trip with her family. Chris stays home to work and this is when we start to see things kind of unravel a little bit. So I apologize because I know that this timeline kind of jumps back and forth, but I think it's important to understand when things started to happen behind the scenes and when things started to happen in the mind of Shanann because Shanann was completely unaware of the things that were going on between Chris and Nicole at the time. While Shanann and the girls are out in North Carolina, Nicole Kessinger comes over to the Watts home to help Chris with his diet and exercise plan. Now, mind you, his own wife works for a company that supplies products for weight loss, lifestyle, things like that. He had even mentioned before that he had lost 65 pounds by following this program. So the fact that he had Nicole over to help him with diet and exercise seems like he was just trying to figure out a way to have her over at his house. Two days later, on the 6th of July, Nicole and Chris go see a movie together. Then on July 14th, Nicole visits the Watts home for a second time and they end up going to a museum together where they look at hot rods. July 18th, we see from phone records that Chris started transferring photos of Nicole Kessinger, inappropriate photos, to a secret calculator app. I'm sure some of you are aware of this secret app that you can put on your phone. It's like a calculator, but once you enter a four digit pin, it opens up into this secret folder and there lies inappropriate photos that you wouldn't want someone else to see apparently. So do with that information, whatever you like. July 24th, we know from phone records in the discovery that Nicole Kessinger searched searches on Google, man I'm having an affair with says he will leave his wife. And then the following day, Chris searches when to say I love you and when to say I love you for the first time in a new relationship. He also makes some searches like, how does it feel when someone says I love you? And it's like, at this age, you really don't know what that feels like. You've been married to this woman for eight years. You have two children. I mean, this is almost like an indication that maybe he is a sociopath and he is just completely void of emotion and empathy. But what's bizarre is that we never saw any of this in Chris until this moment, up until these couple months. Nobody saw this coming, nobody. July 28th, Nicole and Chris spend a night away at the sand dunes and that's where we see a lot of these pictures of them together at these sand dunes and they spend the night together. Then a couple days later on July 31st, Chris goes to the airport to fly to North Carolina to meet up with his family. He deletes 
Nicole from his phone and tries to erase any kind of evidence that he is in fact seeing another woman at this point. When he gets to North Carolina, Shanann texts her friends and tells them that when he gets there, he's unaffectionate towards her. He doesn't kiss her. He doesn't pat her on the butt. He's not like lovey-dovey. The first thing he is worried about when he gets there is looking at labels of macros and things um, of food and he's edgy towards the kids and the girls don't want anything to do with them because he's being so edgy and they're used to their playful fun dad and this is just a dad they're unfamiliar with. August 4th, Chris is still in North Carolina and Nicole Kessinger is back in Colorado. She sends him texts like, maybe you should just go to North Carolina and work on your family. And you can tell she's a little bitter that he's out there with his wife and two children. But it doesn't stop her from searching for wedding dresses for two hours on her phone and then doing a little Facebook stalking of Shanann and Chris on Facebook. She's searching their profiles. And here's the kicker. She's searching their profiles and we see that from the phone records. She's looking at Shanann's Facebook. And like any other female, if there is another woman involved, whether you are dating someone and you're interested in this guy or you have a feeling that your guy might be talking to someone else, Females have the capability to search like an FBI agent. I guarantee she saw probably every post of Shanann's dating back years because Shanann is married to the guy that she wants. So when she later says that she has no idea that Shanann was pregnant or that they were happily married and not actually separated, I think that's a lie because we have proof that she was looking at their profiles and Shanann was very vocal on social media, was talking all about her pregnancy and like the updates on her pregnancy and ultrasounds and things like that. So she said she didn't know she was pregnant. I think that's a lie. On that same day, Shanann texts her friend and mentions that Chris changed the wallpaper on his phone from a photo of the two of them to a photo of the sand dunes. And this isn't a picture of Chris and Nicole at the sand dunes, it's just the sand dunes. But how shitty is that, that she, sees him change this picture and he knows that she's not gonna put it all together, that he was just at the sand dunes with Nicole, but it's like this one way of him to flaunt his relationship in front of his wife. It's just sick. On August 6th, Shanann texts her friend Addie to tell her that things with Chris are just not okay. She says, Addie says, did you look through the phone? Did you ask him if there was someone else? Shanann said, he said last night, opposites attract, but this isn't working anymore. I did, he denied. No, I didn't look. He's deleting messages from his dad. I'm sure he's not that stupid. Addie said, why is he deleting messages from his dad? This makes no sense, any of this. It's not Chris. He loves and adores you. Shanann says, Chris told me last night he's scared to death about this third baby and he's happy with just Bella and Celeste and doesn't want another baby with sad faces. Addie says, he's just scared. Everything will be fine once the baby comes. Shanann says, Addie, he has changed. I don't know who he, who he is. He hasn't touched me all week, kissed me, talked to me, except for when I'm trying to figure out what is wrong. So we find out later in the investigation that apparently Nicole and Chris talked about getting married eventually and possibly having kids. And there was talk that Nicole really wanted to bear Chris's first son. And so there was one theory out there that maybe one of the reasons Chris killed his pregnant wife was because he didn't want her to have his first son. He wanted Nicole to have his first son. This is just a theory. This is nothing that Chris has admitted, but it does just seem kind of odd that 
At one point he's very excited for this baby and then the next he's scared of having this baby, says he doesn't want it, that he's happy with just two. And then he even admits later on that he tried to cause a miscarriage by slipping Shanann oxycodone in hopes that it would cause her to miscarry the baby. However, later that night, after Shanann texts her friend Addie, Chris sends Shanann a text message assuring her that everything is going to be fine and he's going to work it out. So obviously there is this battle going on in Chris's head. He's, he's obviously wrestling between his head and his heart. Obviously he ends up making some horrible decisions, but I think this just proves that, that he was really wrestling with what to do regarding this future and the women he's with. And I think he even admits this later in interviews later that he should have just been happy with Shanann. He should have gone to counseling, should have done this, could have done this, should have done this, but none of it matters because what he did was horrific and we'll, we'll get to that. So the family returns from North Carolina on August 7th and August 8th, Shanann tells Sarah Nunn things aren't going well with Chris. They are supposed to have a gender reveal party, but because of the tensions going on between them, Shanann decides it's best to just cancel the gender reveal party. Um, they find out they are in fact having a boy. The next day, August 9th, Chris deletes his Facebook account. He later admits that this is because Nicole told him that she started telling some of her friends about Chris. So Chris deleted his Facebook account because he was afraid that they would see that he is expecting another baby with his wife and that that would get back to Nicole. Little did he know, she surely already knew because she was already looking them up, but she just hadn't admitted that to anybody. But then later that day, Shanann is shocked when Chris agrees to have a little weekend getaway with just Shanann and Chris. They had plans to go to Aspen. Shanann set up a babysitter so that they could get away, just the two of them. And Shanann finally gets a little glimmer of hope again. And she's even texting her friends saying that he seems a little bit like the old Chris. And her friends are ecstatic because they've been supportive all along. They've been trying to convince her that maybe he's just going through some feelings because a third baby is just a big responsibility and they're trying to make excuses for him. They don't just jump to the conclusion that he's cheating on her. They actually try to console her and give her hope that everything's going to be okay. They know Chris and they know that he wouldn't do anything to hurt her, that he loves her and those children. So her friends are very excited to hear that Chris has agreed to have a little weekend getaway with just the two of them and that maybe they can work some things out. August 10th, Shanann leaves for a short trip to Arizona for work, leaving Chris up home alone with the girls. We also see through phone records that Shanann sent Chris some hotel information in Aspen, some ideas for excursions. Chris is looking at hiking in Aspen, and so they're planning this trip, which is important because what happens in the following days just seems so out of left field because as of right now, they're planning this trip together, they're having this alone time and this weekend just for the two of them, and he's actively trying to plan this. So the same night that Chris is actively searching for things for him and Shanann to do in Aspen, he takes Nicole out on a date to a restaurant called Lazy Dog. They go out to eat, their date is over around 10 p.m., and that same night, Nicole is searching on her phone, Chris Watts, Shanann Watts, Ronnie Watts, which is Chris's dad, and 2825 Saratoga Trail, which is Chris and Shanann's address. Shortly after that, while Shanann is over in Arizona, she gets a notification on her phone that there has been a charge at Lazy Dog, and she thinks it's suspicious because it's for a high amount. So she calls Chris, they have a three minute conversation according to the phone records, and we know that Chris told her over the phone 
that he took his friends out to eat and that he paid for one of his friends. We hear from Addie later that Shanann was suspicious that he was out with another woman and that that is why she called him. She also searched the Lazy Dog menu to take a look at the pricing and the menu options at Lazy Dog. But Chris assures her that it was just for her friend and then she tells him after they got off the phone, she sends him a text and says, oh, remember to keep the receipt so we can use it as a write-off. At some point that night, Chris and Nicole have a conversation on the phone. Nicole recalls them talking about an apartment that Chris could move into. Nicole reports that Chris is a little less enthusiastic about this now. So that just gives us the, the idea that maybe Chris is having second thoughts or he's reconsidering his future with Nicole and or Shanann. We don't know, but it's just information for you to decide. Okay, so the next date is August 12th. Shanann is still in Arizona. Chris is at home in Colorado taking care of the girls. He has an active day with the girls that day. Later on that night, Chris calls Nicole and they talk for 111 minutes. She reports hearing a TV in the background. Chris tells Nicole he will be going straight into the field the next day. At 9.44, Shanann's flight is delayed. And at 11.08, Shanann's flight finally leaves Arizona. Shanann tells Karen Epps she will see her tomorrow morning at the kids' school because the following day, August 13th, is going to be the girls' first day of school. At 1.25 that morning, Shanann texts Cassie that they landed in Denver. 1.48 a.m., Shanann arrives home and we see that as evidenced by the home security system. And then at 5.18 a.m., Chris starts his work truck, backs into their driveway, and then at 5.45, Chris leaves for work. So according to Chris's work truck, it is equipped with GPS and it tracks him going out to survey 319 out in the oil fields where he works. At 7.40, Chris sends a text message to Shanann's phone and then calls her phone. And of course, Shanann doesn't answer. And around this time, Shanann's friend, Nicole Atkinson, is calling Shanann, texting her. She knew that Shanann had a doctor's appointment that day regarding her pregnancy. So she finds it very odd that someone who is essentially glued to her phone most of the day is now suddenly not answering and not responding to any text messages. So Nicole goes to Shanann's house and is going to make a check on her, but realizes Shanann's car is still there, her shoes are still there, she sees them in the window, she starts to get really worried. So Nicole Atkinson starts calling Chris and is very worried about Shanann. She's asking where she where she's at. Chris says, all I know is that Shanann said she was taking the girls to a play date to a friend's house. And he didn't know what friend, he didn't know where, when they would be back, nothing. He had no information for Nicole. Nicole found that incredibly odd considering that she was one of her best friends and that was not on the agenda at all for the day. And she had just dropped her off the night before. So you would think Shanann would mention that to her friend. So Nicole is waiting on Chris to arrive at the house when she finally just calls the police and asks them to do a well check because they knew that she hadn't been feeling well the night before. She had been emotionally drained from everything that was going on with her and Chris. And the fact that she wasn't answering her phone and she's in there 15 weeks pregnant was cause for alarm. So she calls the police and requests that they do a well check. When the police arrive, they wait around for Chris to get there. And when he does, he rushes up to the house, greets the friend and the police officer and lets them into the house. In the meantime, one of Shanann's friends, Cassie, starts texting Chris about Shanann's whereabouts. And she says, this is Cassie. Shanann is in a very bad way emotionally and I'm worried about her. I know you are having issues, but I don't know to what extent, but I do know I have never seen her so broken to an extent that I am worried. Chris says, she went to a friend's house with the kids. She won't tell me where though. When I get home, I will update you. 
Cassie says, sweetie, nobody knows about you and her other than Nikki and I. So where would she go if not with Nikki and not to Arizona where I'm at? Her car and shoes and everything else is at the house. What the heck is going on with you guys that she would totally shut out everything? It's not like her. Chris says, I told Nikki about it so she wouldn't freak out anymore at the house. I think Christina knows as well. We talked last night and I told her I wanted to sell the house, get something smaller. Separation would be best right now if we can work through the issues. I really don't want you to think I'm a bad person, Cassie. Cassie says, right now, I don't care about you or your relationship or what type of person you are or not or what I think of you and I'm not trying to be rude when I say that. Right now, I'm worried about your damn wife and her well-being. Nikki is calling the police, period. She is broken emotionally, her blood sugar dropped due to not eating and it could cause her to pass out. So unless you want the police to bust your damn door down, you get home and check on your family. I'm sorry if I am being rude or whatever, but I'm seriously concerned. Chris says, I'm going home, Cassie, on my way. Don't call the police. I will be there in 45 minutes. She says, thank you. Nikki and I know what state she was in all weekend, and we want to see she isn't in the house because this is seriously a concern. So as we see, Chris is way more concerned about the people's opinion of him than he is his own wife. And then he says, instead of calling the police to check on her immediately because she could be in there passed out in the house, he's like, don't worry, I'll be home in 45 minutes, that's like almost an hour. That's way too much time if, you're, if your wife who is pregnant is possibly passed out. So when police arrive to go through the Watts home, one of the neighbors comes out and says, hey, I've got a ring camera and these security cameras that catch almost everything up and down both ways of the street if you'd like to check it out. Thank God for security cameras. Where would we be in the world of criminal investigation if it weren't for neighbors and their ring cams? So the police go over there to check the footage and this is where things start getting a little heated for Chris Watts. As we can see, the neighbor is showing Chris Watts backing up to the house at about five o'clock in the morning, backing his truck up to the house. He's seen loading things in and out of his truck and eventually pulling out. And at no point do we ever see Shanann leave the house with the girls, which kind of breaks apart Chris's theory that she left for a play date. After the police officer takes a look at this footage, Chris goes back over to the house and the police officer stays to talk to the neighbor. And that's when the neighbor admits that Chris is not acting right. Come on, bud. You just wanna go talk to him, I'm gonna get his info real quick. Encounter, they go back over to the Watts house. Nicole Atkinson is there, realizes that Shanann's purse is there, her medication is there, Celeste's medication that she needs daily is still there. You can see that Nicole Atkinson is so very concerned and you can tell the difference in her body language versus Chris's body language. She is so concerned for her friend and her well-being and Chris, you can tell, is just so worried about himself. So a couple days later, Chris offers to do a 
interview with a local news station. I just love it when these guilty people choose to do these interviews. They just love to talk. They're usually narcissists, so narcissists love to talk, and it always gets them into so much trouble. Take a look at this awkward, cringeworthy interview. Right now, it's got K-9 units, the sheriff's department. Everybody's like, they're they're doing their best right now to figure out like if they can get a scent, see where they went. If they went on foot, they went in a car, they went somewhere. And right now it's just like they've they've been on point. They're going through the house trying to get a scent, and hopefully they can pick something up to where it's it's going to lead to something. Like she like she came home from the airport 2 a.m. and I left around 5:15. She was still here, and like about 12:10. And that afternoon, her friend Nicole showed up at the door. Like, I had texted Shanann a few times that day, called her, say, you know. But she never got back to me, but she wasn't getting back to any of her people as well. And that's what really concerned a lot of people is, like, she's not getting back to her. Like, if she doesn't get back to me, that's fine. Like, she gets busy during the day. But she didn't get back to her people, which was very concerning. And Nicole called me when she was at the door, and that's when I came home. And then walked in the house, and nothing was vanished. Nothing was here. I mean, she wasn't, she wasn't here, the kids weren't here. Nope, nobody was here. I called her three times, texted her about three times, just to say, you know, what's going on? Like, I did, I, cause after, after, the, after I called her and texted her once, it was like, like maybe she was just busy, like, it, she had just gotten back, you know, like, everybody's probably calling her from her trip. She just got back from Arizona. And I figured, yeah, she was just busy. But when her friend showed up, that's what it was like, it, it registered, like, all right, this isn't right. I, I mean, Right now, I don't even want to just like throw anything out there. Like, I hope that she's somewhere safe right now and with the kids. But I mean, could she have been? Could she have just taken off? I don't know. But if somebody has her and they're not safe, like I want them back now. Like that that that's what's in my head. Like if they're safe right now, they're gonna come back. But if they're not safe right now, that's what that's the not knowing part. Like if they're not safe, I, I, last night I was I had every light in the house on. I was hoping that I would just get just ran over by the kids running in the door and just like barrel rushing me, but it didn't happen. And it was just a traumatic night trying to be here. I mean, every, every, I mean yeah, my, my kids are my life. I mean, those those smiles light up my life. And it's like, I mean, last night, like during like, at, you know, when they usually eat dinner, it was just like, I miss them. Like, I mean, I miss telling them, hey, you got to eat that or you're not going to get your dessert, you know, and just like you're not going to get your snack after. I miss that. Like I miss them, you know, cuddle up on their couches. They have like a Minnie Mouse couch and a Sophia couch that they cuddle up on and watch, you know, Bubba Guppies or something. And it was just like, you know, I I, I was, it was tearing me apart last night and I needed that. I needed that last night. And for that, for nobody to be here last night and to go into their rooms and not and know that I wasn't going to turn the rain machines on. I know that I wasn't gonna turn their monitor on. No, I wasn't gonna kiss them to bed tonight. It was, it, it was, I, I, that's why last night was just horrible. I couldn't do it. it. I just, I just want, I want everybody to just come home. Like wherever they're at, come home. That's what I want. This might be a tough question, but did you guys get into an argument it wasn't. It wasn't like an argument. We had an emotional conversation, but I'll leave it at that. But it's. I just want them back. <laughs> I just. I just want them to come back. And if. If they're not safe right now, that's what's. That's what's tearing me apart. Because, if they are safe, they're coming back. But if they're not, 
this 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 has got to stop. Like somebody has to come forward. Shannon, Bella, Celeste, if you're out there, just, just just come back. Like if somebody has her, just please bring her back. I need to see everybody. I need to see everybody again. This house is not complete with without anybody here. Please bring her back. I find it so odd that during this entire interview, Chris is laughing, huffing with a smile on his face. He's not hes not shedding a single tear. He, he doesn't act like a dad whose kids are missing. I have two children. If my kids were missing, I just, I watch these interviews of these guilty parties with missing children who know where their children are and what has happened to them and the fact that they aren't alive and it blows me away. I, I just can't relate. I can't relate. It's like he's saying all the right things, but the way that he's saying them is just off and it's so obvious. So August 15th, the police start to track Chris's whereabouts and movements and they bring him in for questioning and they offer to do a lie detector test, which Chris agrees to do. He fails miserably and finally they start probing, where is your wife, where are your kids? Something happened, you know what happened, you know where they are, you need to tell us where they are. Still, of course, after failing this lie detector test, he insists that he has no idea where they are, that he would never hurt his kids or his wife, and that he has no idea where they're at. But detectives are pretty seasoned at this, and they offer him an out by saying, did Shanann do something to the girls? And maybe you were trying to cover it up for her, or they give her, they kind of give him this little bait, and he bites. So he asks for his dad to come in so that he can talk to his dad alone. His dad comes in and on camera, Chris admits to his dad that Shanann is the one that killed the girls and that in a fit of rage because of this, he attacked Shanann and killed Shanann. So the detectives come back in, they ask him to elaborate on this story and they're having a hard time believing that Shanann would do something like this. They even tell him, you know, I would just hate for her memory to be tarnished due to a lie. But rather than focus on that for too long, they just want to get out of Chris where they are. So they bring in a picture of the oil fields and the oil tanks where the GPS located his truck. And he writes on this photo the initials of where each girl is located. Shanann was buried in a shallow grave in the field next to the oil tanks and then Bella and Celeste were placed in these oil tanks filled with crude oil. So of course that evening Chris is arrested and on the following day, because this happened late at night and they needed daylight in order to recover the girls' bodies, they went out the following day to recover Bella and Celeste from the oil tanks and Shanann from the field. August 18th, Chris is charged with nine counts. At this point, he's still denying his involvement. The public defenders asked to swab the girls necks for DNA to prove that Shanann killed them, but the judge denied that request. So at that point, Chris offers to plead guilty as long as the death penalty is off the table. They accept that plea deal. So Chris then finally admits that he did in fact kill Shanann and his two girls. Two weeks later, Chris is finally sentenced and the family has a chance to speak to him face to face. They offer Chris any words to his family and he declines like the coward that he is. And then four months later, while he is imprisoned in Wisconsin, the agents who initially interrogated him in the beginning fly out to meet with him again and he lays it all out on the table. At this point, he has nothing to lose. He is sentenced to life without the chance of parole. So he is going to die in prison. And at this point, he offers every detail, every answer to every question they have. And the details are quite disturbing. 
This video is probably long enough, so I'm going to spare you of those details. If you want to look at them up, you can find them just about anywhere. The interviews are on YouTube, the transcripts are on Google. So I will leave it at that. One of the things I found incredibly odd about this case is that they didn't probe more into Nicole Kessinger's involvement. Now, we see that she made Google searches about Shanann and Chris and these mysterious searches about, you know, the man leaving the wife for a mistress. And then days after Shanann goes missing and the bodies are found, she is Googling Amber Fry, who, if you don't already know, was the mistress in the Scott and Lacey Peterson case. This is way back and it was a huge deal where Scott was having this affair with Amber Fry. Amber Fry, however, had no idea that Scott was married with a pregnant wife. And Scott was later convicted of killing his wife and newborn child. and dumping her in a bay out in California. So she relates to Amber Fry. However, Amber Fry had no idea that Scott was married and she was very well aware that Chris was married with a baby on the way. So she's Googling Amber Fry. Did everybody hate Amber Fry? How much did Amber Fry make from her book deal? Amber Fry's net worth. She sees this tragedy as an opportunity for her. And so with all the Google searches in the past, the private photos, the sexting, and the letters, and all of those things, it doesn't prove that she's guilty of being an accomplice, it just proves that she's a piece of shit with a poor moral character. This whole case is just so icky, it's so cringy, and now Nicole is um, is like considered a state's witness or something, she's under the witness protection program apparently, so nobody knows where she's at or what she's doing. Hopefully she's learned from this. I'm just here to give you the information so you can develop an opinion of your own, but I do think it's kind of odd that in all the documentaries I've seen, there isn't much talk about Nicole Kessinger, so that was one of the things I really wanted to touch on in this video was her involvement in this whole ordeal. While she didn't have a hand in the girls losing their lives, she had a huge hand in the relationship she had with a married man, and it's disgusting. I have been a little sick all week and I can tell that I'm starting to lose my voice. So I'm gonna go ahead and cut this off. That's pretty much all I have to say about that case. Next week, I am going to be touching on Jeffrey Epstein. That is a doozy. So I hope you will stick around for that video, especially considering his little partner in crime, Gilead Maxwell, was finally arrested and will hopefully face charges as long as she can stay alive. Anyway, subscribe so you don't miss it and I'll see you then. Bye.